Hello and welcome to episode 207 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Before we start, you probably have seen that the original CrimeCon is coming to London in June next year. I'll be there and propping up the bar all weekend, ready for beers, so it'll be awesome to see you there. Just head to crimecon.co.uk and use the code UKTC for your discount. The money you save, you can spend at the bar. Everyone's a winner. A huge thank you to all my supporters on Patreon, but especially the new members of this exclusive club. That is Christy, Karen A. Colpitz, Amanda Walker, Samara Gregg, and Jade Louise. Thank you all so much for your support, which is much appreciated. I'm delighted that this episode is sponsored by a brand new interactive experience called Moriarty's Game, A Killer in the Hive. It's based on the world of Sherlock Holmes. It allows you to step inside your own detective story, not just watching, but actually planning undercover operations, luring suspects, assessing evidence and solving puzzles. I love this game already. It's great, as it sees you working side by side with the savvy Kayla Watson, a sharp-witted private detective, as you try to solve a series of mysterious crimes taking place in the city. What I love the most about this game is that it's genuinely immersive. It's full of suspense and it gets your friends and family together in a really clever way, even if you're not in the same physical location. Along the way, you'll find yourself luring those suspects, infiltrating criminal syndicates, hacking security systems and communicating with people across phone calls, texts and video. Sounds fun, doesn't it? It really is. You're going to enjoy this if you're a fan of crime TV shows, escape rooms, board games, immersive theatre, or just detective fiction in general. The game has had five-star reviews from critics such as the BBC Radio's Gavin Inskip and was called one of the best online events in the UK by the website Design My Night. To play, simply go to inthehiddencity.com and tickets cost £11 per device. The game's a killer in the hive. That is, go to inthehiddencity.com, tickets cost £11 per device, and the game's a killer in the hive. I'll see you there. Okay, it's that time that you've been waiting for to play the game that no one's talking about. Let's guess the month and the year as we set context for today's story. Number one in the UK charts was Sam Smith with Stay With Me. In the US, it was John Legend with All Of Me. And in the Australian album charts, It was Turn Blue by the Black Keys. In the news this month, Arsenal beat Hull City in the FA Cup final and Real Madrid won the Champions League. The military staged a coup in Thailand and Gangnam Style edged out this podcast to be the first video to reach 2 billion views on YouTube. I bet you have danced to it, maybe at a wedding. And three people were killed and one injured after a vehicle collided with spectators at the Jim Clark rally in the Scottish borders. And in UK true crime news, barrister and part-time judge Constance Briscoe was convicted of perverting the course of justice after a trial at the Old Bailey heard that she lied to police investigating the case of former MP Chris Hune's speeding points. She was sentenced to 16 months in prison the following day. So did you get the month and year? It was May 2014. Today's story comes from Bournemouth on the south coast of England, about 95 miles southwest of London. 
With a population of approaching 190,000, it's known for so much more than Harry Redknapp. Including literature, as it's where Robert Louis Stevenson wrote The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and Mary Shelley, the creator of Frankenstein, is buried in Bournemouth. Comedian Tony Hancock lived for most of his early life in hotels in Bournemouth that were run by his parents. Lou Yao was worried about her mum, Ru Lee. She'd last seen her 44-year-old mum at about 10.30pm on the 23rd of May after she'd finished a shift at her hospital in nearby Paul. The teenager's concern grew as this was most unlike her mum. She'd always stay in contact and she prided herself on her timekeeping. So by the end of the weekend, she approached her mum's partner, 60-year-old Pierre Legree. He didn't stay at their flat much, maybe one day a week, but he too had not heard from Rui. Pierre didn't seem particularly worried about Rui, and he went away to Watford for the weekend with his ex-wife Irene to watch a dance contest. But when he arrived home after the weekend and Rui still wasn't there, Pierre reported his wife as missing on Tuesday the 27th of May. Detectives discovered that Rui left work at 6pm on Friday the 23rd of May and they found CCTV of her leaving the hospital car park at 6.17pm in her distinctive car. A silver Porsche with personalised number plate L1RUI. They released this footage asking for any information of where she'd been between Friday and Tuesday adding We are also building a better picture of her lifestyle, interests and friends. We know that she was a reliable and hard-working nurse at Paul Hospital, who was popular with her colleagues, and also that she enjoyed outdoor activities, including climbing. Detectives explained that Rui Lee came to the UK from China with her daughter around 10 years previously, and had worked as a nurse at Paul Hospital since April 2009, and was currently working in the Medical Investigations Unit. Hearing of her disappearance, Rui's colleague said in a statement, Rui was a big character in our small close-knit team. Funny and so unique, she was totally reliable, professional and conscientious to a T. She is terribly missed by all of us. Her nature was gentle and serene and that is part of the reason why we and the patients love her so much. If anybody knows anything, please let the police know and help us to find Rui. But behind the scenes, detectives had not been impressed with the accounts given of Rui's disappearance by her husband Pierre. He seemed disinterested, as did his son, 26-year-old racing driver Jonathan Legree, who had just carried on eating dinner as detectives asked questions. Jonathan was a British racing driver who had competed in such series as Formula BMW UK, the British Formula 3 Championship and the European F3 Open Championship. He and Pierre were close, and Pierre was very proud of his son. Unhappy with the responses, Pierre was brought in for further questioning. During police interviews, Pierre insisted that he knew nothing about his wife's disappearance. A common theme of the stories we listen to on this podcast is that many people are unable to keep what they've done a secret, feeling this need to confide in others. And this appears to be the case here with Pierre's 26-year-old son, Jonathan. Jonathan went to the pub with his dad on Tuesday the 27th of May, but afterwards he went to see a friend. When he was there, he told the friend, there's a body, there's a body in the boot. 
He went on to say that his dad had killed his girlfriend and placed her body into the boot of a car. He said the girlfriend had been poisoning his father over a period of time and stealing his money. And his friend was led to believe that this girlfriend had suffered a head injury. The friend was naturally shocked by what he had heard and the next day he went to the police to tell them what he had been told. After this, Jonathan Legree was arrested and interviewed by police. When he was arrested, he already knew that his dad had been arrested on suspicion of murder, as his mum had called him that morning to tell him. At the interview room in the police station, at first Jonathan said no comment to the questions, but after a few minutes, knowing that it was an impossible situation for him, he became upset and began to cry in the interview. He told detectives, I assumed she was in the boot, but I didn't want to check. And he also told them where the Fiat Punto he was referring to was parked and Rui's body was found in the boot of the Fiat Punto car. Rui had suffered blunt force trauma to the back of her head. The blows were so forceful that detectives suspected they'd been caused by a heavy implement, with one of the blows causing a deep penetrating wound to the back of her head. This would have meant that Rui would have bled extensively, but at the house there was no sign of a murder weapon or much blood. This suggested that whoever had killed Rui had massively cleaned up the scene. And detectives found that Pierre had recently bought a number of bags of cement. It seemed the killing had been planned, and had he been planning to bury her at the property? It seemed so, but there had then been a change of plan, as Rui's body was put into Pierre's Ford Transit van, which the following day was worked on by his son Jonathan at the garage, Cromer Motors, which was owned by his mum and Pierre's ex-wife, 66-year-old Irene Smith. Jonathan and Pierre ran the garage together. The next day, as Rui's body remained in the back of the van, Jonathan Legree worked on it, replacing the starter motor. From there, the body was moved to Jonathan's Fiat Punto, which was actually on sale at the garage, and that car was driven to nearby Verwood Crescent in Bournemouth, where following the interview with Jonathan, police found the body. While this was all going on and they were talking to Pierre, detectives were surprised at just how calm he had been in, they thought, carrying out the murder and disposing of the body, with no rushing around and making mistakes. They were also increasingly certain that both Irene Smith and Jonathan Legree must have been aware of what had happened and helped Pierre to cover his tracks. When told that Rui's body had been found in the Punto, Pierre changed his story to say that they'd been at home together on the night she disappeared. He then left the house for just 40 minutes, and when he got back, he found Rui murdered. He told detectives that he panicked, fearing he would be thought responsible for the killing, and so he cleaned the scene, he wrapped her body as she was found, put her into the transit van, and carried on as normal. He went away to the dance contest with his ex-wife, he said, in an attempt to try to take his mind off things. Detectives needed to understand more about the relationship between Pierre Legree and Rui, and they were certainly shocked by his confession that Irene Smith wasn't actually his ex-wife. She was his first wife. He'd committed bigamy by marrying Rui, who he claimed he'd married in 2007, purely as she wanted a British passport to remain in England. But this didn't match with what detectives believed was the case. They believed the pair were much more of a couple. 
It was understood that they'd started an affair when Rui visited the garage he managed. Irene Smith discovered the affair and confronted Rui before the couple were married, with just two guests witnessing the ceremony at Southampton Registry Office. Pierre told detectives that he spent very little time with Rui, usually spending six out of seven days with wife one, Irene Smith, who he cared for deeply. And the text messages between Irene and Pierre suggested a couple very much together. He said that he didn't have a sexual relationship with Irene Smith, his wife of 30 years, but he spent most nights in a separate bedroom in her house and he kept some of his clothes and a passport at that address. Detectives didn't believe his story that he found Rui. They believed that Pierre killed her. But why? When we cover murder stories on this podcast, the motive is often either sex or money. Detectives believed in this case it was probably money, but Pierre argued that he believed his wife was killed due to sex. Legree told detectives that he and Rui were swingers. They were members of a number of specialist websites under the username Two of Us and You, and a police investigation showed that the word swingers was entered into a search engine on the couple's shared computer 9,176 times between August 2012 and January 2014. Pierre also told them how the house in Wolverton Road, where the ponto with Rui's body was found outside, was used by Rui for providing massages and other sexual services. This service tended to be advertised on Gumtree by Pierre, with all inquiries going to a special phone that he operated. And Pierre also sometimes joined in with these services. One customer told detectives he visited the Wolverton Road address in May the previous year, where he paid £40 to have sex with Rui while Pierre was in the room. A few days later, he returned and had sex with Rui while Pierre rubbed his back, and then on another occasion, he again had sex with Rui before watching Pierre have sex with her. And although Pierre denied forcing his wife to have sex with other men, he did seem keen to find men for her. A plumber who visited the house about a job told detectives how Pierre had said to him that Rui really liked him and wanted to make love to him. In one text, Pierre said, There are tea-making facilities at the bungalow and also a six-foot bed for you and my wife to play on. The plumber decided against carrying out the work after receiving another text from Pierre which read, What do you think of Rui? She wants to make love to you. But then when the plumber saw Rui at the hospital, she was completely oblivious to the messages that had been sent by her husband. Pierre told police that he believed that Rui's killer was most likely a customer of Rui's from her sex work who had followed her from the other house and killed her. Maybe they were disgruntled for some reason or they'd become obsessed with Rui and jealous that she would not spend more time with them. But detectives didn't buy this at all and firmly believed that the reason Rui was killed was money, and it wasn't a straightforward situation. Rui had a life insurance policy worth £300,000, and also owned the property which was used for the massage service, which she was trying to sell to make a profit of 100000 When police went to her house, they discovered a document written by Rui to her daughter in the event of her death. This made it clear that everything would be left to her daughter, Lu Yao, with the exception of £20,000 of cash to be given to her mother in China 
in order to repay a loan she provided to her daughter in 2012 to buy the second house. And on the day before Rui was killed, she sent an email to her family in China about the 20k, saying that she couldn't transfer the money the day before as it was in her husband's bank account, but that she would either send it via his account on Saturday the 24th of May, or else transfer the money to her account and then send it on Wednesday the 28th of May. But Pierre Legree was in a desperate financial position, and there was a complicated link between his finances and his two wives. Irene Smith was in danger of losing her home, as she owed a considerable sum of money on the house, and she was unable to get a mortgage due to her age. She was 66. Pierre Legree was intending to buy the property from her to solve this issue. To do this, she had transferred £50,000 to his account to use as a deposit, but the bank was asking questions about these funds. This situation was further complicated, as the 20000 that Rui was paying back to her mum would have come from the deposit money which belonged to Irene Smith. With the tense relationship between his two wives, Irene Smith would not have been at all impressed by her 20000 being used by Rui to pay a debt. Was it this request to send the £20,000 to her mum that was the catalyst for Pierre Legree to murder his wife? It seems so. And there was another issue that detectives felt sealed Rui's fate, and that is that Rui planned to adopt a child from China, which Pierre was opposed to, as it would have compromised his way of life. And as a controlling man, he just didn't want to have this at all. Rui's daughter, Lu Yao, told detectives more about how her mum had given her a will she had written. She said that her mum was concerned she might be pushed off a mountain during one of the regular climbing trips she took with her husband. And during his police interviews, Pierre also referred to how, if he wanted to kill his wife, there would have been much easier ways than what he was being accused of. He said he could easily have killed his wife climbing if he'd wanted her dead. He said, if I want to hurt her, I have plenty of opportunity and it would just be an accident. We were supposed to be climbing last Thursday and we were supposed to be climbing tomorrow. I don't even have to push her, you know. But he insisted that he was innocent and wished no harm to his wife. And he would soon have his opportunity to have this view tested by a jury at Winchester Crown Court. At the trial, 61-year-old Pierre Legree denied murder, but the jury didn't believe him, and he was found guilty of murder by a unanimous verdict. He'd already admitted bigamy and perverting the course of justice. Sentencing him to 25 years in prison, the judge said that as well as the financial motive, Pierre could have murdered Rui because of her decision to adopt a child, saying, it may equally have been the fact that Pierre Legree as a controlling person, was not prepared to deal with the apparently late decision that Ms Lee had made to adopt a child from China, which would have compromised his way of living. Legree's first wife, Irene Smith, was jailed for three years for assisting an offender and perverting the course of justice, and their son, Jonathan Legree, was jailed for two years for assisting an offender. Both had denied the charges. Both Legree Jr. and Smith were acquitted of conspiracy to commit murder. There was little mitigation at the trial for Pierre Legree, except that he'd been diagnosed with cancer, which had been degenerative during the course of the case. 
Irene Smith's QC said that her husband had been the more sophisticated, the more manipulative of the two. She is totally and utterly ashamed to have found herself in prison, he said. And the barrister for Jonathan Legree said that his client had agreed to help his father out of misplaced family loyalty. He said about the information his client gave police in the interview about the location of the car containing Rui's body, the investigation would have been dealt a severe blow. After the trial, Rui's 18-year-old daughter, Liu Yao, said, My mum was a wonderful person, a great teacher, and the perfect mother to me. I have and will always love and respect her unconditionally. She will always be in my heart and she is missed every day. She told how Legree was controlling and forced her to become distant from her mum. She said, I hope my mum is proud of me and it's because of her support that I'm here doing today what I love. I one day want to be a doctor like my grandfather. So what do you make of today's story? Was it the 20,000 that Rui needed that eventually led to her death? And do you think that Pierre Legree would have killed her anyway and it was just a matter of time? I think I'm most shocked by the calm way he approached a murder, heading off to Watford with his other wife to watch dancing, knowing that she lay dead, and then having Sunday lunch with Irene and his son Jonathan. It's the way, isn't it, he brought his other wife and son into the plot shows a very, very measured response to a desperate situation. I don't know about you, but if I was facing the same scenario, I wouldn't be able to think or concentrate on anything else and certainly would not have been able to live a normal life for a number of days. Would you? So Pierre Legree is in the slammer probably for the rest of his natural life. A selfish, controlling man, it's hard to have any sympathy for him. But maybe we can for others caught up in the plot. I wonder how his son and his other wife have managed since their release from prison. Have they been able to move on, I wonder. But of course our real sympathy is for Rui's friends and family, particularly her daughter, who have to live their lives without Rui. A hard-working, respected and loving mum and friend and colleague, taken away much too soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this case and any other aspects of UK True Crime, please head to the Facebook group where you can join almost 45,000 of us. And to support this show and take advantage of the two-month free special offer for annual subscriptions, pop on over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash UK True Crime. You'll find bonus episodes, free Ferraris, access to an exclusive Facebook group for Patreon supporters, behind-the-scenes updates including some news on my recent contact with the BBC, and loads more. That is patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. I'll see you there. So that's all for me for today. It's been a strange week, with the mighty Leeds United suddenly playing the most amazing football after all these years of such dullness. I think I'll try to enjoy it while I can, as it can't last, can it? So on that winning bombshell, until we speak again next week, please do take it easy and most of all, stay classy. Cheerio.